Thank you for joining us for Dwelling Place Lithia Podcast. We hope this message will help you find your identity in Christ and create growth in your life. We hope you enjoy this message. So today, um, anytime we have like a special service uh, that's where I'm not just, uh, where, where we've got a subject line that's kind of already in place, I want to I want to hit it at an angle where it makes us think. Because the Bible is one of those, those things you you're going to get out of it what you put into it. And if you just open up your Bible because you're going to read it and you're just going to be like, I'm just going to see what's on the page. I've read my chapter for today. You're going to get very, very little out of it. But if you believe that this is God's word, that this is spoken to these people that wrote this on here, and this is about our Savior, and this reveals truth about the creator of the universe, and you go into that with that kind of weight, this book can change your life. Amen. So today, one of the things that um, I want to do, I want to I talk about Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom. And um, we can start in Luke chapter 1. And we're not going to, I'm not going to talk a whole lot today, and I know all of you are like, yeah, right. But I'm not. I'm gonna, or at least I'm gonna try not to. Um, but I really want us to discuss some of the stuff at the table. I really want you to. Um, I want this to be a key in your life. I want you to walk away today with a key in how to study, a key in how to read your Bible. Uh, more than anything else that I could give you, is a key to understanding your word in different ways to look at it, so God can minister to you. Because you can hear a message here, take it home, say, "Yeah, that was good." You know, that was. Remember that part where he said that? That was funny. Uh, I like that part. Remember it rhymed. Uh, but you're gonna forget it. Like you're gonna forget other stuff. But when God speaks to you personally, and you get a revelation on your own, it's something that's it, it's sticky. It's like walking on a piece of gum on a sidewalk. It just, you can't get rid of it. And no matter where you go, like your shoe still pops when you lift your foot up. You just, <laughs> no, it, it does, it stays with you. It's something that, that, that gets buried deep in your heart. It's a seed that's sown. So I want us to, we're going to read about Elizabeth today. Um, Elizabeth was John the Baptist's mom, mother, as they used to call it in the Greek. Um, it's probably not mother in the Greek. Don't quote me on that. But it's, uh, so also, uh, what's that? That's Hebrew. So also, um, she, was, uh, she was older when she conceived. And she's, she's got this story. So this is all in Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to um, spare you going through reading all this to you. Uh, we're, we're just going to go through this story. So she was, her, her, husband, was, uh, her husband was chosen uh, to go into a temple. And whenever he goes into the temple, he goes, and he, he, he goes in and the Lord starts to speak to him and says, your, your wife is going to conceive a son. And he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And he's like, how can this be? Like his little bit of questioning, the angel must have been having a bad day or something. He's like, yeah, you're going to question me? Bam, you can't speak anymore. And he, so he got him where he couldn't speak. And so her husband comes out and he leaves the temple 
and he, he can't say a word. And um, if anybody has, uh, has watched it in the movies, uh, he does various things after that. The Bible doesn't really tell us what he does. But he, um, whenever, he was, uh, whenever he left the temple, he, he had no way to speak. And so he goes home, and sure enough, Elizabeth gets pregnant. And as Elizabeth starts to, uh, starts to develop, Mary comes and visits her, and there's all kind of unique things that happen. They're like uh, the baby leapt in her womb, and it says that she was filled with Holy, uh, Holy Spirit that, um, because the Messiah came close to her. And she, w- she noticed that. She noticed that as Mary came close to her, that there was something that was different, and something changed inside of her. How many know that when you're close to God, something changes inside of you? So Elizabeth was able to experience that on her own. And so whenever Mary came close to her, she was, the Bible says she was filled with the Holy Spirit and that the baby leapt in her womb. Now, as, as Elizabeth started to, as Elizabeth conceived, not, not as she conceived, but as she had John the Baptist, um, she was, she had this promise, like I'm positive her husband would have told her, like, this is what God told me. So she had this promise that she was raising a son that was going to prepare the way for the Messiah. How many know what kind of burden that had to have been for a parent? Like, don't mess this up. It's bad enough when we just have I mean, I don't have regular kids. I've got amazing kids. But when, when, when your kids are, are naturally born, you don't get like an angel that comes and tells you anything and uh, makes your husband mute and all that kind of stuff. But when it's just a natural process, you know, you meet a wife, you fall in love, you get married, you have children. And, you know, when it goes to that natural process, there's a big burden when you look at your child and you're like, I can't mess this up. But imagine the kind of weight that they felt. Imagine the kind of weight that she felt as a mom, because just being honest, like back then, fathers didn't have a whole lot to do with the child rearing. It was a whole lot to do with the mom. The mom was going to, to make sure that that child was raised up and that had good manners and did all, these, uh, all the things that they were supposed to, would read through it. And it's, it's not different from what you see today. There's just things that naturally men and women are different at. So like we're my wife will, will sit there and show the kids like how to read. Like she's showing Sophie how to read. I'm showing Sophie how to, you know, wipe off blood when she falls down so she can get back to playing. It was just dads and moms do different things. So Elizabeth had this beautiful gift that God had given her in her old age. But she also had this burden because she's got to do something with this. You remember the story of the talents in the Bible where Jesus was talking about there was the, the people who had the talents and one had 10, one had five, one had one. And they were all expected to do something with that. And the one who just buried the talent, Jesus, when, he, or when, the, when the master came back, he, he said, get away from me, you wicked man. And he gave his talent to the one that had the most. So Elizabeth she hadn't heard that one yet because Jesus wasn't there, but 
she knew that she had to do something with what was given to her. She had a promise. She had some miracles that had happened. Not only was her husband mute, but whenever um, he was able to speak again, uh, whenever they were naming John. So she had seen some beautiful things that had happened to, to let her know that this is actually God. This is actually God that's doing this. And so she's got this promise, and she's got these miracles that are, that are around this promise. And she's got to do something with it. So she raises him up. And as she's raising him up, she's trying to teach him in all the things of the Torah, all the things of the law, trying to do whatever she can. But she doesn't know how to show him how to prepare the way for the Lord. She doesn't know how to prepare him for that. So she just has to do her best with what she does know. And you can imagine as she's getting a little bit older and her son is growing up, and um, a lot of people think it's weird. Like, you think a lot of people paint John the Baptist out to be with this crazy person. All right. What he did wasn't crazy. Like the whole wearing the, the camel or wearing the hair and eating locusts and being out in the wilderness. It's called taking a, back then the, he took a Nazarite vow is what he did. So he took a Nazarite vow and he separated himself. But I'm positive at that point, like even she was probably thinking, like, babe, John's eating locusts again. I told him to stay away from the locusts, but what is it about locusts? And then she would see him, he would be out in the wilderness and he would, he starts baptizing people. And that was something that, like, what, where did you get this authority? Like, why are you think it's okay for you to do that? And you're telling people to quit sinning and you're being very judgmental. Like, very judgmental. You're telling them they're in sin. Like, look at this guy over here. She, she remember the Abraham Osteen? Like, they don't do that at all. But she would, she would see him do these different things. And, and as a mom, you, you, you kind of judge the different things that your child does. But you have to hold on to these different promises. Because there's promises that are laid in your life that if you don't cherish those and believe God for them, the things that happen around you can really take your eyes off of what God has already given you. So as John got older, like he even did this to Herod. He told Herod, that he was living in sin and that he had to go some, that he was like, you need to stop what you're doing. You need to, you were, and, and Herod did some, Herod actually ended up dying because of what he did. Um, Cause he was already married to somebody else. And then he took his brother's wife, but his brother didn't want him to be married to somebody else. So he had to divorce his other wife, which was a princess from another kingdom. And that King actually killed Herod later on. But John was, John saw Herod, and he was like, you can't do that. The stuff that you're doing, it's against the law. It's against God's law. And he, he was laying down a foundational stuff. But could you imagine from Elizabeth's side of things, 
knowing that her son is coming up against Herod. And then he gets put in jail. What happens to that promise when John's in jail? What happens to that promise of him, him preparing the way for the Messiah whenever John's in jail? Like that doesn't look like the promise is going to be coming forth in any way, shape, or form. You can imagine that Elizabeth was probably pretty distraught whenever John was in jail. That Elizabeth would spend the night, and I can imagine her prayers. I can imagine that she would probably be up at night and saying, God, you said that he was going to be preparing the way for the Messiah. How's he going to do that in jail? What are you doing to my baby boy? What are you doing to my son? How can you let this happen to him? Has anybody ever had prayers like that? I've had those. I've had those where I'm talking to God and I'm like, God, I know that you showed me this. But all this stuff, this stuff that's happening over here, it doesn't look like that at all. And then you start questioning yourself, did I hear God right? Like, am I really doing what I was supposed to do? But we know today we can look back and see that John actually was preparing the way for the Lord. We know that he was preparing the way for the Messiah because he was telling people that they had to to remove themselves from sin to be a new person, that they had to live holy lives, quit making excuses for your sin. And then Jesus came and he did the same thing. John prepared the way. So that Jesus, whenever he came in, he could, whenever he said, go and sin no more, he wasn't the first, that wasn't the first time they were hearing that. John actually did prepare the way, but when he's sitting in a tomb, well, not when he's sitting in a tomb, but when he's sitting in a prison cell, it, it just doesn't look like the promise that God gave her. So, Today, that's one of the things I want us to kind of talk about, and we've got some questions that we're going to go over, but I want you to, to think about, like, everybody has different promises that are in your life. You've got different things that have been spoken to you, different things that God has revealed to you, and sometimes the things that God shows you, everything around you doesn't look like what God showed you. It doesn't look like it's leading to the same place, but If you know that God has given you something, if you know that he has given you a promise, you have to hold on to that. Because sometimes in the darkest of prison cells, the Savior's voice can be heard. And sometimes locked up in a prison, you don't know where God's angels are going to be coming from. You know, Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, and the, the jail cells and everything that whenever they, they opened up, like I'm positive that they were wondering, like, God, okay, this is, we're going to trust you. How about that? We're going to trust you. How many have ever told God you trust him? And then in the back of your head, you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this to make myself trust you. You, you feel more like that guy who's, uh, who said, I believe you. Could you help my unbelief? But you, you, we walk through this pattern in life, and we, we, when you give your life to God, and that's, that's kind of where Elizabeth was, is that she gave, when God gave her that promise, her life became about that promise. Oh, 
And we've all been given a promise here. You've all been given a promise about who you are, about what God has you for, or what God has you here for. We put Matthew 25, and I, I know that y'all, y'all say, you're going to say that every time you preach. Yes, every single time I preach, I'm going to point out Matthew 25 on our back wall because I think it's important. There's a lot of people that you're waiting for God to show you what to do, and you haven't done the last thing he's shown you to do. And there's plenty of things in the Bible that, that point us to what we're supposed to be doing. Matter of fact, there's plenty of things that disqualify you from doing anything else in relationship to Christ if you don't do the basics that he's shown you already. I point that stuff out because I don't want you to stand before God one day and him to look at you and say, listen, there were plenty of times whenever I was hungry and you didn't feed me, I was thirsty. You didn't give me anything to drink. I was naked, you didn't clothe me, and I was in prison, you didn't visit me. I don't want you to be able to, to I don't want you to say, well, I never knew about that. Because you're going to, that's something that Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you, and I don't want you to be on that side of things. I want you to be on the, well done, my good and faithful servant side. So, With the promises that Jesus, that God has given us in our lives, the promises of us being overcomers, the promises of us being victorious, the promise of being a new creation. Sometimes whenever we can say that we're a new creation as much as we want to, but your past comes up. And what do you do about that? What do you do about when your promises are being challenged by life. When Elizabeth was given John, she was given a promise from God. She altered her life. From that point, she was not Elizabeth anymore. She was not barren anymore. How many know she wasn't barren after that? She went from a barren woman to a mother of someone who was going to prepare the way for the Lord. Her identity changed from barren and broken to someone who is giving, who has a child who is preparing the way of the Lord. Now back then, they, and the reason I'm saying that like barren and broken back then, that was basically how they looked at women if they can't have a child. There was really no, um, there wasn't a whole lot of other options for them. But God changed her life. He changed her identity. The same way that he changes ours when we come into relationship with him. When he changes your identity, he gives you a promise. He gives you a future. He gives you a hope. And we have to hold on to that. No matter what's going on around us. No matter what life throws at you, no matter what life looks at, looks like. Because life will give you stuff that just is tough to deal with. And if you don't know how to hold on to your promise and how to say, God, I, this, doesn't, this doesn't look like anything you've shown me. But I trust you. And I trust that your way is the right way. And then I'm going to see your promise. 
You know, Brittany was singing a song earlier, and it says, God, you've been faithful to plant the seed. I know you're going to be faithful to send the rain. There are, are seeds that have been planted in your life that you haven't seen sprout up. You haven't seen what the harvest is going to look like. But you've got to know that the one who planted the seed is going to send the rain. And when he sends the rain, you're going to have a harvest, but you have to continue to work that field. You can't pretend like that seed's not there. We can't receive something, a hope or a promise, and just let it lie dormant. We have to continue to prepare the land. When you continue to prepare that land, you have fertile soil. So when that, when that rain comes, you can see a harvest that you wouldn't see otherwise. Elizabeth had a lot of trials in her life, and she even saw her son. She, she wasn't there, but she knew that her son um, had died a, a pretty miserable death at the whim of some young girl. But what she brought into this world changed this world forever. And as a mom, it had to be tough to go through. But as a creation of God, fulfilling a purpose that he has for you, there's nothing sweeter. And we may suffer and we may have trials and things that come upon us and things that just don't look like the promises that God has made to us. But you can trust in the one who made the promise. You can trust in the one who set that way, who, who set that promise in front of you and put that seed in the soil. Just continue working that land. We hope you enjoyed this message. If so, please share it. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at dwellingplacelithia.org forward slash donate. We'll see you next week and may God bless you and your family.